From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, as part of the ongoing debate over police reforms, racial justice advocates are continuing to push school districts to remove police officers from schools. More than half of Vermont's school districts use Armed School Resource Officers, or SROs, to ensure school safety. But skeptics are casting doubt on whether those officers are effective and drawing attention to persistent disparities in how they treat students. Hi, Kadisha. Hello. Hi. Uh, Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. On Tuesday night, a subcommittee of the Burlington School Board heard public comment on SROs. So, my name is Khadija Bangora, and I'm an alumni of the Burlington School District. Throughout the meeting, students of color said the presence of these officers actually made them feel less safe. As a young Black girl in these schools, I have experienced the unfair and uncomfortable policing of our bodies, the disciplinary tactics rooted in intolerance, racism in terms of evaluating physical and mental well-being of children of color, and an unwillingness to hear and respond to the safety of the black and brown student body. On Thursday night, the school board voted to continue to fund the program and set up a task force to evaluate it. But some version of this debate could now be playing out in districts across the state. Our education reporter, Lola DeFort, has more. We are talking about SROs right now because uh, Vermont, like the rest of the country, has started taking a really serious look at policing in the wake of George Floyd's killing in Minneapolis. And as part of the wider conversation about whether or not to reform or defund police, people are re-examining the use of police in schools. By standing behind school resource officers, you're ignoring the direction of the movement of this country. You are ignoring the trauma that lives in young police bodies. You are upholding white supremacy by putting white students' needs above the black and brown students. And Vermont, also like the rest of the country, has been increasingly putting police in schools. I submitted a public records request with every superintendent in the state, and more than half said, yes, we have a police officer in our schools, usually the high school. Vermont schools are spending about $2 million a year on law enforcement services. This is a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is a lot of money. Uh, And the reason that we're spending all this money... The reason that police have been put in schools is because of concerns about drug use and also mass shootings. What does a school resource officer's job actually look like? Like, what do they do on a day-to-day basis? School resource officers will say that they're in schools to provide basic security. So if something does come up, they're there, right? Their response time is zero minutes. We're there to provide a safe, conducive environment, a learning environment for the students. So first of all, I would say that we're we're on board with the staff and we want to make sure the kids are safe, the staff members are safe for for learning and carrying out their daily tasks. I had a long conversation with the SROs in Burlington, and they also say that it is to create better relationships and closer relationships between police departments and schools, right? And that by being in schools all day, they can really get to know the kids, get to know their families, and that that 
A, puts a friendly face on law enforcement, and uh, B, gives police better information about the communities that they uh, are policing. The argument is that when it works well, because students know school resource officers and they feel comfortable with them, if there is a crisis situation, there is a police officer that they know and trust. Or school resource officer, it's in that order for a reason. You know, we're in the schools to help teach. Mm -hmm. That's our main thing. Our second thing is the resource. We're there as a resource for the staff, for the students. So, like, if there's some type of issue or problem, we work with the staff to provide right resources for the students. Mm -hmm. And another thing they say is that they exist as this, like, kind of overall social service that they perform, you know, this role of, like, a quasi-counselor and social worker. And that's something that critics have a really big problem with because they say that we're asking police to perform a role which they are fundamentally not equipped to perform, right? And they say, if you want police to act like social workers, just hire a social worker. I wonder what these officers look like from a student's perspective. When you've talked to people who have dealt with school resource officers as students, what do they tell you? They've, I mean, particularly students of color have said that they could feel threatening, right? I talked to one Winooski High graduate who remembered in the cafeteria, the SROs always being behind the black and brown students, particularly, you know, black Somali students. Every day in cafeteria, police officers were sitting behind black and brown students, particularly black students, uh, most of whom are uh, Somali, uh, you know, resettled Somali. When I look at a pattern of what we may call, I don't believe in this wording, but like disruptive behavior, it's not only the student of color. I see white kids jumping on the table. But the words that are used there is, hey, sweetie, hey, honey, do you mind? Right? Right. Right. But... When you're talking to uh, students of color, it, it quickly becomes, hey, man, what's up, right? It's like you are all of a sudden seeing this peop- uh, students of color as grown adults. Like that, 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 that's how the you know, language works. Mm-hmm. I spoke to Indra Acharya, who is a Winooski High graduate. He just got a master's degree from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. So he spends a lot of time with education research. He came to the United States as a refugee from Bhutan, grew up in a refugee camp. And he still feels quite uncomfortable with the presence of someone in a uniform with a gun because of his experience as a refugee. As somebody who, uh, you know, survived ethnic cleansing, as somebody who survived uh, political turmoils and refugee came, even until today, even after, you know, doing a lot of, you know, work and being successful in a professional way, I I still feel scared of police officers. Acharya's experience is particularly relevant here because a substantial portion of people of color in Vermont came to the U.S. as refugees. And if you have experienced armed agents of the state engaging in genocide or ethnic cleansing, the sight of someone in a uniform with a gun can be re-traumatizing. They represent somebody to be fearful of. Mm They represent somebody to be afraid of rather than somebody that we should reach out to. A really interesting thing that I kept hearing from students of color is that, you know, sometimes the cops themselves were fine 
and were nice and were perfectly professional and didn't bother them at all. But that there was this concern that they could be called upon by teachers and administrators and heighten the consequences for pre-existing racism within the schools. Whenever students of color challenge the teachers, uh, especially like I was in one ESL class, the teachers were quick to jump. And I noticed that like saying, hey, do you want me to call Officer X? Hmm. Right? They were quick to say that. And to me, it's like, you understand the pre-existing trauma among these people and you're willing to use that against them. They, they have a clear sense that, you know, they can intimidate using police officer as a tool. Some former students that I talked to definitely talked about uh, having had and seen negative racialized interactions between police in the schools and students. But plenty of students of color, current and former, that I talked to head and head those negative experiences and generally felt like the police officers had been kind and respectful and they were still emphatic that they shouldn't be there, which I thought was really hmm. interesting, right? They, they weren't arguing that, you know, it's about this particular horror story that may or may not have happened. It's about the structural function of a police officer inside of a school. And they were saying, you know, maybe that one police officer was a really good guy, didn't treat me badly, but the presence of a police officer still represents an added risk for most students of color and is experienced as such. I guess a big question here is, what do we know about whether or not school resource officers actually work? How how do we quantify whether or not they are actually making schools safer or making students feel safer? Yeah, that's kind of the fundamental question. Basically, everyone I spoke to who was critical of school resource officers kind of brought it back to that question. Like, why are they there? Hmm. Can we point to really a single metric of success for them? The evidence that they make schools safer is pretty sparse and conflicting. You know, if we put school officers because we're worried about mass shootings, there's basically no evidence that they deter them. And if we want them to curb general criminality, there's also very little evidence that they curb that. There are some surveys that show that some students feel safer when they're around, but those students tend to be white <laughs> and uh, students of color tend to feel very differently in surveys. There's a very big open question about whether or not there's good evidence that they make schools safer in any measurable way. There is some research that indicates that they might actually negatively impact academic achievement because of their impact on school climate. And there is a substantial body of research that shows that students of color and students with disabilities bear a disproportionate brunt of their punitive actions, right? So school-based arrests on the whole tend to fall on the shoulders of students of color and students with disabilities. You know, an officer's job is very different than that of uh, an education professional. An officer's job is to enforce the law. And so when they enter school, they may see behavior of children with developmental learning disabilities and emotional disabilities 
mental health needs as criminal acts, even when they are developmentally appropriate for kids. You know, and so those officers will give court citations and make arrests. Jay Diaz is a lawyer at the ACLU, and before he was at the ACLU, he was actually at Vermont Legal Aid, where he wrote a report based on federal data analyzing exclusionary discipline in Vermont schools, so suspensions and expulsions. Uh, And his report is basically the only kind of solid analysis we have in Vermont about discipline and how it falls disproportionately on marginalized communities, namely students with disabilities and students of color. And one thing that he brings up that I think is really interesting is also the idea of oversight and inconsistency in how school resource officers are deployed around the state. If a school is going to have police officers stationed in a school, which we don't think they should do, it is better uh, to have strict guidelines and procedures around those officers' role than not. In general, from what you've seen, do schools not have very good guidelines about, you know, what SROs should or should not do? Um, Generally, schools have no guidelines around Mm -hmm. what the role of a so-called school resource officer will be when they are in the school. Um, People will often say, like, the police are not there to, you know, enforce the law. They're, They're basically social workers. He points out that police officers who are stationed in schools have no specialized training about how to interact with students or how to interact with students that have particular and sometimes very acute emotional or mental health needs, right? And that they are not equipped to handle a dysregulated child that is acting out because of a disability and that they often cannot recognize it as such. And so will react in punitive and sometimes re-traumatizing ways. Their job, number one job, is to enforce the law. So I think that uh, regardless of anecdotal uh, experiences, the result or, or the the idea that police are going to uh, is not going to are not going to do their job when they're in a school is is simply not borne out by the facts. In Vermont, the data is not very good because no one has bothered to really track it. The federal government requires some tracking of this information, but the data is quite old. What data we have does show very troubling, I mean, like, frankly, stunning disparities, right? So in the 2013 and 2014 school year, according to federal data, Black students made up just over 2% of the overall student population, but 23.3% of all school-based arrests. Wow. In Burlington, there has been some tracking by the local PD. It's been very hard for me to get it from them, but they presented some numbers to the school board in early 2019. And while numbers from the local police department do show that there has been like a pretty significant overall drop in juvenile arrests since the reforms in Burlington were put into place. What data I have seen has shown still pretty shocking disparities uh, when it comes to race. 
When you talk about reforms that have been put in place in Burlington, what exactly are we talking about there? Right. So a common critique of uh, school resource officers is that they supercharge this existing dynamic of discipline, exclusionary discipline. So that's suspensions, expulsions, falling disproportionately on students of color and students with disabilities. A common critique of police and schools is that they supercharge this dynamic and that kind of run-of-the-mill misbehavior winds up criminalized, right? Hmm. So that you get in a fight and instead of that ending in detention or suspension, it winds up with a simple assault charge, right? Got it. So that is the big concern about school resource officers. And Burlington tried to address this concern in 2015 with a memorandum of understanding that it signed between the local PD and the school district. And this memorandum of understanding states pretty clearly that police are not to be involved in run-of-the-mill disciplinary matters. And it explicitly states the kinds of things that police officers should not be involved in. And that includes like loitering or fights that don't include a weapon. And so it's it's very interesting that the debate is happening kind of most loudly in Burlington, that the calls to yank police from schools are happening in a place that has enacted reforms that attempt to address the most common critique and concern about police in schools. What do we know about whether that MOU has had an effect? Well, I had a long conversation with the SROs in Burlington, and they seem to take that really seriously. And a really interesting thing that one of them even said was like, you know, it's something that I have to remind school employees of. And we really have to harp on that, that, you know, we have issues that come up where someone says, hey, you know, this kid won't go to class. He is in the hallway. He's tardy. He is loitering in the cafeteria. He whatever. That's not what we do. That's not what we're there for. And he even joked about it. He was like, you know, sometimes I see kids who are like clearly cutting class and I'm like, hey, are you getting your steps in? (laughs) Um, And another thing, you know, they said is like, we don't engage in truancy calls because again, like that would kind of create this like unnecessary conflict between us. And we're, we want students to see us as a resource. I don't know how I would file a truancy charge against you one day and then seek to mediate a dispute between one thing or another the next day. That would be hard for me to to do. So they see the MOU as really concretely drawing lines in what they can and can't do. Yes. And they, they think it's a good idea. And in fact, you know, school officials like the director of equity there, who is a black man, uh, we'll say that because we have these rules in place, the police officers in Burlington are really able to build positive relationships and create trusting relationships with uh, students. Kind of touting the success of these reforms, the acting chief of police pointed out that overall juvenile arrests had dropped pretty significantly um, since 2017. And, you know, he'll argue that that's because... Those relationships have been built. Uh, SROs are able to intervene on behalf of students, right, who might have otherwise been arrested, which is interesting. But at the same time, the arrests that do happen still fall disproportionately on people of color. Given that this has now become this major topic of conversation, what are the possible outcomes here? 
Well, I think that will depend on what school boards in Vermont decide to do. Advocates on a statewide level uh, are starting to really pressure school officials to reconsider the use of police in schools. So I think we'll have to see whether or not school boards choose to pick up that conversation. I've heard anecdotally that they are. And I think also something to keep in mind is that everyone is hard up for money. Hmm. So I think that that will play into this, right? The fact that there is a giant hole in the education fund and school districts across the state are going to be under pressure to find places to cut. And this could be one of them. And this could definitely be one of them. Obviously, this conversation is happening now because of this kind of national reckoning that we're having about race. And school boards across the country, including in very large metro areas, are suddenly cutting ties with local police departments at kind of a stunning pace, right? But calls to do this have been coming from advocates for a very long time, and it hasn't just been racial justice advocates. It's also been people who work with children with disabilities, and it's also civil liberty advocates and low-income advocates. So this isn't just a conversation about race. In a lot of ways, it's about students with disabilities. I imagine that in a lot of places in Vermont, the conversation will focus on that population, which is very substantial in every community across Vermont. Right. And it seems like, given what you've said about the perspectives of students here, in a lot of ways, it's just kind of broadly a conversation about what we want our schools to look and feel like. Yeah. And it's also a conversation about reform versus kind of a more radical reimagining, right? And I think that's why it's so interesting that the conversation happened first and most loudly in Burlington, which is a place that has done reform. You know, I was talking to Skylar Nash who is with the Vermont Racial Justice Alliance, and he basically said this is a perfect example of how reform when it comes to police is inadequate. What we need is to think more deeply about what we want our communities to look like. Got it. Thanks, Lola. Thanks, Mike. You can find Lola's full report on school resource officers in Vermont at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions and Lee Rosevere. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. Have a nice weekend. <laughs>